our prayers go out to so many people who've been affected by this storm. Uh, we've seen it on the news and on the Weather Channel and all those things um, through Florida and the islands and up and down the East Coast. Um, we're experiencing devastation this morning and they're still struggling. People have lost everything. Um, I grew up in, in Miami and, and in Florida and I, I understand to a certain degree that that uneasiness, that feeling. I never lost everything, but I, I remember when we were uh, living in South Florida several years ago and a, a tropical storm, Faye, I think, came through and uh, it was scary, but then the next day was just surreal as you leave your house and you go out and you, you hear, uh, you know, uh, uh, compressors up and down the street, you see power lines down, people are, you know, chainsawing uh, branches off their homes and I remember uh, during that time I went to the store and it was crazy because there was no power. So everybody's in there just kind of getting stuff. They had the doors open and they're just taking cash. And some people, you know, you're just trusting that people aren't going to just leave. It was just so surreal. And so this morning as we think about those people that are uh, struggling with that, those families, people have lost their lives even uh, this past week. I want us to, I want us to, to say a prayer for them uh, as we begin. You know, you hear it's become a political uh, volleyball on TV and in the media about praying. Oh, you're gonna, my, my prayers go out to you. Keep your prayers. Prayer matters. God says in his word that he hears our prayers. He answers our prayers. And so uh, this morning, I want us to lift up a prayer for these families and these that are struggling uh, with that this morning. So let's pray uh, together. Lord God, thank you for your love and grace. God, this morning, our hearts break um, for those that are struggling uh, this morning. Uh, many that are uh, displaced by the storms that uh, have come through, the storm that came through, and God, this uneasiness, Lord, I think about families and little children who aren't sure what's happening, and and God, just so much devastation. I just pray for those families and for those leaders, uh, the the mayors and governors and all those uh, people who are in charge and fire departments and everyone who's responding, God, just give them wisdom, give them protection. God, I pray that we would see restoration, Lord, and strength. And I know it's it's at times like this that we see um, the best of some people as well. And so I pray, God, that you would move uh, in those situations, bring peace and restoration, God. Uh, Thank you for hearing our prayers in in Christ's name. Amen. Um, This morning, we're continuing the message series uh, entitled Q&A with Christ, where, you know, we're just kind of going through different interactions that people had with Jesus questions that they asked and his responses. Um, And this morning I chose this passage of scripture even before uh, I knew about the storm that was coming. But in this passage, the disciples and Jesus are in a storm, dealing with a real uh, storm. And so again, they pose a question to Jesus and he gives them an answer, an answer in what he does and also in what he says. And so we're going to take a moment and look at uh, Mark chapter 4. And I'm going to read verses 35 through 41. And it says this. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Jesus speaking, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took uh, him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern... Jesus was asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, 
Do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? It's interesting that they're afraid of the storm. They wake up Jesus. He fixes it. And now they're afraid again. Who is this? Um, But anyway, the title of the message this morning is Peace Be Still. And just a little context. They're in this boat. They're going across the Sea of Galilee, which is actually a lake, um, but a pretty large lake. There, It's about 13 miles long. At this point where they're going across, around five uh, miles wide. And storms were common on the Sea of Galilee, still are today, Um, especially these wind storms they talk about because it's kind of seated in a bowl. There's mountains all around it, and it sits about 700 feet below sea level. And so you have these winds come in, and even when storms come, they intensify in this uh, area. And um, so, but interesting enough, these men were fishermen, most of them. These disciples that Jesus called were fishermen. So they, were, they worked on the Sea of Galilee. That's where he picked up some of them. Um, and so uh, it must have been a pretty, pretty intense storm for them to be so upset, right? And their reaction to be so intense. And so they're going across. They're leaving the crowds again. Jesus would heal and he would teach and the crowds would press in on him. And we saw that many with diseases and even demon possession were pressing in on Jesus. And so at times Jesus would say, hey, let's get in the boat. We need to, we need to exit that way on the boat. Now, he wouldn't have been a very good uh, pastor today because pastors today, we just want the bigger, the better, right? Bigger the crowd, the better. Jesus was not interested in being the most popular person around. He was not interested in fame and fortune. He was on a mission, uh, and so he was always about that. Um, but Jesus is in this boat, and he's asleep, completely resting, right? While everyone else is panicking. He was sleeping hard. Every time I read this passage, it reminds me of my wife and I. When storms come, she, she could sleep. I mean, if the house fell down on us, if our building fell down, she, she could stay asleep. And I wake up. If I hear one of my kids' eyebrows eye go up, I'm awake. I'm a very light sleeper. Um, but Jesus is in the middle of the storm, and he's obviously just completely at ease. But these disciples are overcome with fear and with panic and with confusion. And so the question comes, right, that we've been, uh, this series is based around. They ask the question, and the question is this that I want to look at. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And so I want us to look at two aspects to their reaction, right? One is simply they have fear of what is happening to them, right? They're possibly drowning, possibly the boat's going under. But the other is maybe a bit of confusion from their question over why Jesus is not reacting, why Jesus is not uh, concerned about this or even putting a stop to this. You know, it sounds, it reminds me a lot of the average uh, Christian today, right? We're panicked over our circumstances, our confusions that we go uh, go through, and we even blame God sometimes for why is this happening? Why are you letting this happen to me? And that may be you today. You may be in the midst of a storm. You may have uncertainty about what's coming in the future. Maybe suffering right now. 
maybe today at the at the very least you have the question in the front of the back of your mind that's your heart that's like why and although though we aren't given the reasons why all the time that we go through difficulties sometimes it's a result of our own actions right or those around us or attitudes of others in the world or like this literal storm that whipped up around the disciples in the ship sometimes it's just Life is difficult. Life is unfair, right? Most of the time it's unfair. But this morning I want us to look at this passage and the lesson and the message that Jesus is giving to these disciples and to us. Because I don't believe this account is here on accident, right? I'm not even sure this storm came about by accident. Jesus had a message and uh, a message for us on how to navigate the storms of life and how to have peace. And the, first, uh, and the first answer that I believe we can see in what Jesus does and says is that we should expect storms. We should expect storms in our life, right? He says there in verse 40, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? He's saying after what we've been through, after the difficulties we've been through, and I've shown myself to you, and after the, uh, the, the hardships that have come, you're still uncertain? Um, what I've taught you, and they were headed for more. They had been through some difficult things, and they were headed for some more. They were headed for a demon-possessed man that was losing his mind, right? Jesus was going to be run out of his hometown. They were going to run into 5,000-plus hungry people. Another actual storm was coming. Remember when Jesus called Peter out on the, the waves with him? And then, of course, for Jesus, his arrest, his crucifixion, Life is full of struggles. Life is full of storms. That is a fact of life. And so the issue is not that there was a storm here or that we have storms, but it was their reaction. It's how we react to those storms. It's, a, it's their fear, their panic. See, the call to Jesus is never away from storms. It's never away from struggles and difficulty despite what many would try to lead us to believe. Jesus said himself in John chapter 16, he said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. His promise is not that there's no trouble. His promise is what? Peace. So if you hear pastors or preachers telling you anything different, um, beware, because they're trying to get something, probably, from you. Because it doesn't take much to see in Scripture or in life that there is trouble everywhere. There's a comedian, I think it was Brian Regan, uh, did this thing where he said, I don't know why anybody wants to be president. It's like every morning, it's the same thing. Somebody wakes you up, excuse me, excuse me, sir. Trouble. <laughs> trouble. It's the same thing every day. There's struggle. There's difficulty in life, right? So what are some of those troubles? What are those struggles that we face, that we all face? Well, there's, there's the outward storms, right? There's uh, crime. There's broken relationships. There's career setbacks. There's pandemics. Health crisis, right? Inflation taxes. Um, there's homelessness. We see it all around us. There's struggle. There's difficulty everywhere. We live in a fallen world. It will always be that way. 
we pay the price of our own bad decisions, and that's what we see throughout the world, ours and others. But there's also inward storms, right, that we all go through. There's anxiety, there's stress, depression, fear. When we see a lot of these outward storms, it triggers this inward storm within us. We're not sure how to deal with it. And we, you know, life becomes about mitigating, mitigating pain. And we're trying to find it in, 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 in every other way. But there's these inward storms. And listen, Christians particularly, sometimes we try to fool one another. We put up this facade, right, that everything is okay. We put on a happy face. We're all good. You're good. I'm good. But see, what that does is it alienates others because they look at you and they go, everything's not okay. So I'm not sure that I belong with you or around you. I'm not sure what it is. I don't trust you because everything's not okay. It's, we don't have to hide our struggles from one another. Because the world knows the truth. We know the truth. Even if we put on a happy face and then walk out, we know we're all struggling some uh, some fashion. And the truth is we're all either just coming out of a storm, right? Or headed into one or we're in the middle of one. Now there are whole religions and philosophies that, you know, they're based on trying to avoid pain, on trying to get away from struggle, right? Um detaching myself from desire to such a degree that I cannot be hurt. I'm trying not to be hurt and therefore, uh, therefore avoid suffering, right? But listen, we were created for joy, for celebration, to love and to be loved. And that takes vulnerability. That takes, sometimes we get hurt. For instance, if I've decided, you know what? I've just been hurt too much. I'm giving up on love. It's just too hard. It just hurts too much. Uh, so, so I don't get any. So I don't get hurt anymore. I'm going to put up a wall. I'm not letting myself be vulnerable, like that anymore. But see, we get to that. We get to that place oftentimes because we are expecting, we're putting on someone else what they were never meant to give us. We're putting our hopes and dreams in another person. We're putting our expectations for them. Oftentimes, and they don't. They will always fail to meet that. Now that's not all there is. Right? There's unfaithfulness, there's mental, there's physical abuse. But what I'm saying is the search in the search for peace and happiness, circumstances are not gonna solve it. I was talking with a, a young gentleman this past week and he was telling me how much he hated his job and he was just at wit's end. He was just he was willing to do anything. He's like, I just want to do anything else. He's like, I'm just looking every day. I said, Man, watch out, you're gonna run out of a burning building into a burning building. And we all know how it is. is the, what do they say? The grass is always greener on the other side. There's always struggle. So the goal of life is not simply to avoid that struggle and that pain, right? And that's never what it's meant to follow Jesus. Most of these disciples were put to death for their faith. So you may say, well, that's not very encouraging. Thanks a lot. I'm glad I got out in the storm this morning. But listen, it's important to understand so that, so that I don't go through life feeling like I'm being picked on, right? Now, there are horrific, there are things that we go through. Um, but to say if I was just in someone else's shoes, life wouldn't be so hard. Removing the suffering is not the ultimate answer. It's not the goal. We're all part of this fallen world. 
It's not to be obsessed with the difficulty of life. It's like focusing on the symptoms instead of the source, right? But we want to find peace. But listen, there are, there are struggles in life. It doesn't mean we allow ourselves to be hurt, right? We don't put ourselves in situations to be abused or to be treated poorly or any of those things. It's not saying any of those things. It's saying there is a deeper place to find my peace, and it's not in my circumstances. The Apostle Paul, we see over and over again the examples of these Paul's in prison writing. A quick point, listen though. As followers of Christ, we must realize that when we surrender our lives to Christ, when we surrender our life uh, to God and His will for my life, there are reasons that God might lead us intentionally through a storm. Right? To draw us, maybe it's to draw us closer to Him. Maybe you're in a storm right now, you're not really sure why this is happening. It, there's a possibility that God's drawing you closer to Himself. Not that he even caused the storm, but he may use it to draw you to himself, to increase your faith, to strengthen your faith. It may be that God's working in your life. Every struggle that you go through is not all about you. It may be that God's working in your life to touch somebody else's life, to help somebody else's walk. This morning, it's important for us to understand Struggles are coming. Storms are coming. We're not going to uh, make ourselves exempt from storms. So that's the first thing that we have to accept that. Um, that in one way or another, there will be trouble. But secondly, we've got to check our foundation. Where is my foundation? In verse 37, it says, The waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling, and then they freaked out. The boat, this thing that we know all about, that as fishermen, we know this is, this is what we depend on. It's going under. You ever go on the subway and somebody's on there and you realize they're not used to riding the subway because they, they haven't prepared themselves correctly for the stops and the starts? You know, they'll just kind of be standing there and all of a sudden you take off and next thing you know, they're all over you or they're falling all over someone else. And it's hard these days. Tom and I were on the subway the other day, and I was like, I grabbed a hold of the pole, and he's like, I hate touching those poles. <laughs> I said, no, I get it. But having ridden the subway before, you go into your power stance, right? All right, I know what the, something's coming. You prepare the foundation for when those stops and starts come. For when the storms come, if my foundation is secure, then I'll find hope. Then I can find peace. These disciples, they were depending on what they could control, right? They were fishermen. They knew uh, they depended on the boat and the weather cooperating, right, for what they needed to do. And they could tell when the boat was being compromised. They could tell this thing's going over, uh, under. They said, we are perishing. I wonder sometimes what Jesus expected from them, you know? I mean, it was getting rough. I guess just not to be freaked out and panicked. Like, um, Jesus, excuse me, don't want to bother you, but it's getting rough, but whatever, whatever you want to do. But see, they weren't just concerned. They were panicked. Their reaction revealed where their trust was, where their understanding was. They had lost all hope at this point. They're telling him, we are going down. If this boat doesn't stay afloat, we know what that means. We are perishing. And listen, in life, like I said, we're going to have storms. 
And it's not that we ignore the struggle. That's not what Christ is asking us to do. There was a storm there. The boat very well may have gone under. But it's my perspective of what is happening. Do you see, say, the pandemic as the destruction? Was that the destruction of all your hopes and dreams? Do you see your job security as the the source of your happiness? If that ends, then all is gone. What in your life, if it were to crumble or disappear, would shake you at the very core? Whatever that is, that's probably what you build your life around protecting. I don't know if you've seen this, the new Wall Street. It's not new anymore, but uh, Money Never Sleeps. There's a scene in there, you know, where the market is crashing and this investment firm is going under. And the guy, Louis Zabel, he's the older guy who's in charge of the whole investment firm. And the stocks are going under. Uh, the market is crashing. Their business, he's losing the business. They're going in debt. And he is on his way home. And that's all he sees. That's what his life has built, been built upon. And he goes on the sub goes on the subway, he's waiting for the subway, and just as the train is pulling up, he just steps out into the... All hope was lost. If he didn't have that business, if he didn't have his investment firm, if he didn't, couldn't live the life that he thought he should live financially, that was it. It was over. And that happens every day. You may say, well, I'm not at that place. I don't... That's not, not to that extreme. But listen, we often live in, in fear and panic, and we make decisions in life based on the fact that we're holding on so tightly to things that are going to go away. They are going to fail and pass away eventually. And so the question this morning is, what are we we building on? What's the foundation of your life this morning? What are you standing on? The thing or person or ideology or philosophy that you're building your life on, the thing that drives you. And there's some easy targets, right? Career, relationships, But some are more subtle, like finding balance in my life, spiritual, emotional, physical, you know, good things. But that if they take over, if they become the main thing, then our foundation is compromised. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, he told this little kind of story that's revealing. He says, Matthew chapter 7, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Listen, let me encourage you this morning to check your foundation. What am I building my life on? What is the the heart of it? And you can look around at our society, our culture, and the world. There's chaos. There's chaos because um, the foundation that we have built or that we're relying on as a culture and as a society is uncertain. It's constantly shifting It's unreliable. Listen, nothing in this life, nothing in this temporary world, world, not even myself, is a reliable foundation for peace. Only Christ is worthy of that. And that takes me to the the third point. And that is call on Christ in faith. 
for that peace. These disciples were in this great storm. They were, they were headed for more storms, right? And they were panicked. They were scared. They didn't see any way out of it. They were going down. The very thing they held on to for security. And where is Jesus? He's sound asleep in the back of the boat. He's out cold. He's resting. Verse 38 says, And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. So Jesus awoke. He calmed the storm. That physical storm, right? He brought that uh, to peace. And he brought peace to the disciples to a certain degree. He brought them to the realization that he was the one who could solve this until they got afraid afraid again. But that is what Jesus does. Yes, he can calm the circumstances in your life and in my life. And he does that at times. But the peace that he gives is a different kind of peace. It's different than what the world talks about when they talk about peace. Jesus said in John chapter 14, he said this about peace. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give you to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus says, my peace I give to you, right? It's different than the world. So what's the difference? The Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He describes it right there. It surpasses all understanding. See, the peace that the world offers and that we try to find on our own is understandable peace, right? I have peace when it makes sense to have peace. When the storm stops, when things are going my way, I'm at peace. When everything seems to, seems to line up in my life, okay, at this season, I'm at peace. When work is good, when my relationships are healthy and satisfying, when I'm in a good place physically or, or health-wise, when it's good, it's good, and I'm at peace. That's understandable. We all understand that. But the peace that Christ gives is beyond understanding, he says. It doesn't make sense. Christ gives a man or a woman a peace that remains even in the harshest storms, at our deepest, darkest moments, in times of tragedy, times of pain, when my boss is breathing down my neck, when my human relationships have betrayed me, when I walk out of the doctor's office with devastating news, he keeps me at peace. Doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. Doesn't mean that there's no struggle. It means that I'm at peace in the midst of it. And when I swing out into eternity, when I draw my last breath, I'm at peace because I know he has me. Isaiah 26.3 says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. Listen, when my peace and my focus is on the temporary things of this world, when those things crash, I crash. So ultimate, lasting peace must come from outside of the circumstances of this world. This peace is all about God, right? He's the giver of the peace. Jesus brought the peace 
with his word, right? When he called the storm to stop, to be still. But also for us, we can't, we mustn't miss the catalyst for this peace. What puts this peace into action in our lives? It's trust. It's faith. He says, the one whose eyes are on you because he trusts in you. Jesus said there, he said, why are you all still afraid? Do you still have no faith? He directly tied it to faith in him. So this morning, what am I trusting in? I was in, I shared this, I think it's small group the other day, but I shared, uh, I went with a, a friend of mine was in the hospital years ago and he had had multiple surgeries on his back and he was really struggling. They, and they put a little pain pump in his back that he could push the button every time he had pain. It was terrible. He was struggling, he was suffering. Good Christian man. And I went and visited him in the hospital. We prayed for him. I talked to him, tried to encourage him. We left and I met his wife in the parking lot and she said, oh, thank you so much for coming. She had tears just pouring down. They didn't know what to do. She said, it's okay. I know God is going to heal him. I know God is going to heal him. And my heart broke at that moment because the promise of God is not to fix every situation and circumstance. God very well may heal him. God hears our prayers. He answers our prayers. But he knows so much more about what's going on in me, in the, in the people around me, in life, and in, in everything. So ultimately, it's just that I trust him. I would rather say, I trust that God will do the right thing for him. Right? Somebody mentioned that. I said it the other night. God's answer to our prayers is exactly what we would do if we had all the information. God knows. And so my trust, my peace doesn't come from, you know what, this this pump's going to be out of my back soon. It may not be. But I trust him who loves me and holds on to me. I'm bringing my cares and my struggles to him like these disciples came to Jesus. He is the one. My faith is first and foremost that I am loved unconditionally by God. See, if I think God is just for rescuing me when things get tough or giving me what I ask for, then as soon as I don't get what I think I deserve and what I ask for, then I'm out. There's a lot of people coming in and out of church looking for that. Is there a great, uh, great soda machine in the sky or whatever that I can just ask for things? No, the message is that God loves you and reaches out no matter where you are, where you've been. And loves you, puts his arms around you. When I grasp that God loves me, and when I understand that Jesus, when he came and lived on this earth and died on the cross, is a demonstration, it's a picture and an actual action that God did, knowing my name, if I was the only one on the earth, he sent him because he loves me to heal me. That changes me. Now my circumstances come and go, but I know that I'm loved. I know that I'm gripped. I used to call my dad. He's passed away a few years ago. But I'd call him when things got rough, right, in my life. Not often. I mean, not, things were rough all the time, but I didn't call my dad enough. But um, that's beside the point. Um, but I didn't call him because I thought he was going to rescue me every time. Not even because I thought he would agree with me, because usually he 
wouldn't agree with me. But listen, when it seemed like the world was coming after me, when this unforgiving, cutthroat world was getting the best of me, wave after wave crashing in on me, no matter what anyone else thought about me, I knew he loved me. I knew that I could call him and just talk to him would put me at ease because I knew he cared about me. And sometimes that's just what I needed. I needed that reminder. Listen, the first step in finding peace is allowing his peace to cover me. Is to put your faith in the fact that God loves you. John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave. There's an action there. He gave. He came after me when he saw me broken. When he saw me in my sin, he came after me. And when I know that love, it, I may not know, I may not understand what I'm going through or the situation or what God is doing, but I know I'm loved. And whatever's happening has to go through that filter, God's filter in my life. That's where I get my peace. And that's difficult, right? Because most of us have used up all our trust. Right. We've either used it up and been burnt or we're putting it right now in a lot of other things. And there's really no room for Christ. We've all we've already made investments in people and in, 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 in situations and circumstances in life. My education, my friends, I don't have any trust. I don't have any room left to trust in Christ. And that's what we talked about last week. You remember Jesus told those disciples when he had the child in front of him, he said, unless you turn and become like one of these, unless you turn, it's not about making room for Jesus in my life. You can only know the peace of Christ by turning from taking my faith out of the things of this world, every other thing that has become God in my life and put them in God himself. It's interesting, these these disciples, they really didn't even wake Jesus up for the right reason, right? If you look at what they said, they said, you know, do you not care that we're perishing? It's not, they weren't necessarily saying, do you not care? You're not fixing this. They're basically saying, uh, teacher, like, we're all freaked out. You're not freaked out? We're all going down, right? The important thing is that they woke him. The important thing is they went to the right person. That was where their hope came from. So you and I, when you come to Christ, it doesn't mean that I have all the answers. That's, it's not about having all the answers. To call on Jesus means I'm ready to put my faith in him outside of myself. Anselm, the Benedictine monk in the 11th century, he's known as the founder of modern scholasticism, and eventually he became the Archbishop of Canterbury. He wrote this which I thought was very powerful. He said, For I do not seek to understand in order to believe, but I believe in order to understand. For I believe this, unless I believe, I will not understand. See, calling on Jesus in faith means I I don't have all the answers. That's, That's really what's at the core of calling on Christ. I don't have all the answers But I believe that you love me. I believe that you came to rescue me and I'm going to put my faith in that. That's the first step. And what does that mean in a real practical way? Well, that means, you know, we talk about this like it's some 
kind of mystical shift in my thinking. It's not. It's an actual step of faith. Jesus said, unless you turn, unless you take action. Romans 10.9 says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You remember the thief on the cross? Last second of his life lived a horrific life, I guess, as a criminal. He's on the cross. He put his faith in Christ right there. He said, you are who you say you are. Jesus said, you'll be with me in paradise today. The paraplegic, the prostitute, they all came to Jesus just declaring their faith in him, their childlike faith. That's what it means to be a Christian, to trust in Christ for my brokenness, for my sin. And I believe that when I do that, my life will change. doesn't mean the struggles go away. It means I will have peace. You know, sin gets a bad rap. Don't go telling people your pastor said sin gets a bad rap. Let me explain. Oftentimes when we hear the word sin, we think of like Christian judgment, right? When I, th- when I hear the word sin, I think, oh, that's a, that's a tool or a weapon that a group of people use kind of to put me down and to, to oppress me or to make me feel bad or whatever. When that's not really what it is. Sin is brokenness. Sin is an inclination to make the wrong choice, which we all have. That's what the Bible says. Sin, the word means to miss the mark. We all miss the mark at times. None of us are perfect, right? We're all broken, and we know that about ourselves. We don't like being told that, but we know it. And the same thing, we want to put it on a bunch of different things. What the Bible tells us is at our core, we're just broken that way. We're broken that way from the fall in the garden. And so that's why Christ came to deal with that. That's a big deal. We don't realize it, but to a holy God, that's a big deal. Because when we don't, when we don't resolve our sin through Christ, what we're telling God is no thanks. Yes, I'm broken. Yes, I, I make the wrong choices, but I'm good with that. And we reject that relationship with him. And that's a big deal to him. But guess what? You're a bigger deal to him than that is. And that's why he sent Jesus. And you may say this morning, well, you know, I've done that. I've I put my faith in Christ for, for salvation. I've, I've trusted him that way. Well, then why are you so overwhelmed still? Why is your life a constant, Jesus, don't you care that I'm perishing? God, don't you care? There's there's wind, there's waves, there's too much. Jesus says, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? See, what happens as believers, we begin to shift our focus. It's not about the stuff that's happening in your life. It's not even about the peace that you don't seem to be able to to grab a hold of. It's about your faith. The object, the focus of your faith. See, faith is about A, right? Which is Jesus. It's not about B, C, D, and E, which we can fill with all other kinds of things, everything else in our lives. It's focus on Christ, the author and perfecter of my faith. That's what Scripture says. But what happens is when I get my eyes off of Christ... Then I began to drown. Remember from before I mentioned that 
passage of Scripture in Isaiah 26. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. And that's the encouragement this morning. Listen, fix your eyes on Christ. It's not about any of the other things. We all, we all have storms in our lives. And there's some people, we could have testimonies in this room. And you'd be surprised at times where they come from. Of horrific struggle and pain and brokenness. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weak and heavy laden, all who are broken. Come to me and I will give you rest. It's, uh, it's interesting here, their, their response at the end. They go, who, who then is this? That even the wind and the sea obey him. These guys had been around Jesus. They had seen these miracles. Earlier in Mark, it tells us that he healed a whole town. Cast out demons. They saw Jesus heal a para, uh, paralytic, a leper, a man with a withered hand. They witnessed all that. They were right there for all those things. And yet they continue to be surprised. Now listen, this may be a little aside, but until you're ready to believe, until you're ready to surrender control, it doesn't matter what you see or hear. It doesn't matter. I'll find a reason not to. Because I got too hard of a grip on my life. Good news here. Jesus woke up and he calmed the storm, right? He could have just walked away. He did it before, just on the water. He just got out of the boat and walked away. Um, but he calmed them. He calmed the storm. And listen, he will respond to you today. Wherever you're at in your faith, wherever you're at in your journey, if you just call out, God, help me. Help me to know you. Help me to, to trust you. I remember when I was um, not walking with the Lord, I used to say all the time, I tell everybody this, don't give up on me. <laughs> Somewhere I was just, don't give up on me. God, He never did. He wants to bring you peace today. In the deepest places, peace that passes human understanding, that's not based on your circumstances, that stands in the harshest storms of life. He he moves beyond my doubt, beyond my confusion. That's grace. This is all temporary. The storms of life, every storm that you go through, it's temporary. Even life is temporary. But our God and our relationship with Him is forever. It's eternal. And our understanding and worship of God is, is forever. So our lives will end at some point. We'll swing out into eternity on some faith in something. Question is what? Who? Today we face some pretty major storms around us in the world, externally and internally, as we struggle and with uncertainty, disappointment, loneliness. Jesus is calling. Do you still have no faith? Are you still trusting in the things out there? Put your faith in me, the one who the wind and the waves obey. The one who provides shelter from every storm. And hear his voice in your life saying, peace, be still. That means it's time to pray. God, thank you for your love and grace. Lord, I, I, I think about my own life. The years I spent trying to find peace in the things of this world and even in myself. Bettering myself and all those things, Lord God. 
And you patiently came alongside me. You patiently whispered to me. You kept drawing to me a still small voice, whispering my name, drawing me to yourself, God. Thank you that that's the kind of God that you are. And this morning, um, God, I I thank you that uh, you speak through your word, through your spirit, and that you're calling us this morning, every one of us, come, come trust in me. Come have peace. Come rest in me. Because the storms are coming. The storms are not going to end. Um, But our focus, our foundation, may it be in you, God. Um, Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for being patient with us. Help us, God, as we encourage one another, uh, as we serve one another, God, uh, to be your hands and your feet and to demonstrate the peace that we have, the hope that we have, even in the darkest of times, uh, that will make those around us Say, what is this? Who is this that you know? And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.